Oh well, what can you do? I'm Gabe, here with the John John. Hey everybody, this is John John. There's two things we can talk about, but what are we going to talk about first? Do you want to talk Call Girl of Cthulhu or short horror films? Let's do short horror films first. All right, did you like them? Yeah, they were okay. Actually, I like some of the visuals in them. Shit, how do we, I mean, do, do should we care about spoilers? <laughs> short horror films on the internet. <laughs> I mean, when the film's only about as long as the summary of it, then maybe it, spoilers are kind of unavoidable. Yeah. There's just a quick spoiler warning, but we are going to just go over some short horror films that we saw. And if you don't want to go past this point, because you do care about spoilers, even for short horror films, we saw The Upheaval. Directed by Robin Zeeb. In between, directed by Jose Luis Martinez Diaz. The Sky by Matt Sears. The Shack, written and directed by Dark Hoffman. Really? That's the dude's name? Sounds like a villain. Yeah. And The Jaunt, which is based off of Stephen uh, Stephen King's short story. Directed by Ori Gwendolman. And... A bunch of short horror, uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't call it most of them horror, but, uh, I mean, I guess you can. A bunch Thriller. of short films. Yeah, you know, a bunch of short films by Richard Boylan. And, yeah, if you're interested in checking those out, go ahead and check them out. You can find them on Vimeo and YouTube. Beyond here, beyond this point, we're going to be doing spoiler talk. Because we're just going to talk about these movies that we just saw. I am, i seen a lot of these before long time ago and john just saw most of these tonight and we're going to talk about what we think of them and yeah the only one i saw before tonight was the sky yeah well and also kind of just to talk like hey what do we think of short films versus horror in the last 20 years and also a lot of these are also cosmic horror and i know i've been wanting you know even john knows i've been wanting to watch more cosmic horror to get down to the fucking bottom of this and like, what the hell is cosmic horror oh yeah man that's like heroin for you now yeah man it's just i need answers <laughs> so yeah we're gonna go ahead and talk about this but first you know what first let's get the one that's not cosmic horror out of the way and we're gonna talk about the jaunt which is based off of a um, off of a stephen king short story and it's directed by ori gwendelman so is the is the stephen king short story also called jaunt yeah, it's called The Jaunt. Okay. So, the Stephen King short story is uh, it's about a family preparing to travel to another planet. I, I forgot what planet it is, but the family's preparing to, uh, to get teleported to another planet. And, you know, the kid's asking, like, you know, why do we have to go to sleep? And I think the dad gives him a quick rundown of, oh, well, when this technology was created, everything that went through... Did not come out alive. No, actually, now that I remember, it did come out alive, but didn't live long enough. And it came out pretty pretty messed up looking. When when the guy, the guy who created this technology, put up um one of the lab mice to sleep, he put it into the teleporter, came out on the other side just fine. So that's when you find out you gotta be sleeping when you go through this. The kid doesn't fall asleep, and when he goes through He's in this crazy ass, I don't know, I don't want to say dimension, just place. And the way I imagined it, there was just stars and infinite space above. And 
He just doesn't go anywhere, but he feels like he's been there for so long, like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And then suddenly he's on the other side now. And this kid is now this full grown creature. I mean, because he's no, no longer an old man. I mean, he's no longer a kid. Now he's like beyond an old man. And everybody starts freaking out. And he's all deformed. And I think, you know, the, the one thing a lot of people remember from this story is the kid says, I saw it, dad. It's longer than you think. And, you know, that's how the story ends. So the short film is about the uh, the creator. Um, he, He's supposed to be like a farmer. And the short film is really just about him doing the testings on the technology. You know, there's a, the, the mice keep coming out all messed up, but he, he gas, he gasses one of them. No, he, I mean, I guess, right? Like sleeping gas. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. He, he ga- Yeah. He gasses, I guess, like the last mice or mouse he has, he puts it into the, uh, portal, I guess you can call it. And on the other side, you know, again, you, you, you mean, dude, he got me the special effects are pretty cool when he puts the mouse in and then on the other side, you see it's organs. Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was nice. Yeah. So he pushes it in, goes to the other side, pulls it out. He thinks it's dead. He's sad and he's angry and he's he's wondering, what did I do wrong? He's been trying so much to make this work. And suddenly he hears the mouse in the box. He goes over, he sees the mouse is alive. It works. And that's where he figures out, oh, you got to be asleep. And then suddenly a bunch of cars are outside his barn. I guess that's where right? it was in a barn where he was making it. Barn, shack, something like that, or a warehouse. And a bunch of dudes in trucks show up with guns, and they tell him to put his hands up. Okay. He gets on his knees. Is is there anything that, like, because I don't know if I missed it in one of those voice messages that he was playing, but, like, why he was arrested? Well, he's he's making the technology for a corporation or a company. Like, he, he's making that for someone. And him being arrested, um, I don't understand either. It's just a, someone's uh, vision of a prequel to a pretty cool Stephen King short story. Well, now that you explained the uh, the short story, that makes a lot more sense now. But not him being arrested, but just the short film in general. I mean, it'd be cool to watch a movie of the jaunt if they could actually extend it and make it interesting. If not, it really is it's really going to feel like you're in there with that kid and just bored being dragged out <laughs> all those years. But you know, overall, I, I thought it was a cool little prequel to the story, you know, like showing uh, the origins of this technology being created. So, yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I, I dug it. I, I liked it a lot. If anything, you know, it, it's kind of hard to recommend short films. Like, yeah, you're watching. You'll just see it. spend five minutes of your day. Just check it out. You have to recommend like six at a time so they can, you know, stay busy for like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to short films, you know what? I'm going to give it a rating, a one out of five. So for the John, I'd totally give it like a four. All right. Boy, what did you think? I thought the effects were pretty decent. The uh, The story had me kind of uh, confused because I didn't know anything about the Stephen King short story. But now that that was explained, that makes a little bit more sense. The one thing I really didn't like was the uh, he got mad and smashed his keyboard and then everything worked. Oh, yeah. So maybe a three out of five. All right. So next, you know, again, we're 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 gonna get the stuff that's not cosmic horror out of the way first. So, did you see any of the Richard Boylan stuff? Uh, like, no, I I didn't Tom, watch any of the. Was that the 
uh, what's that studio that you sent me? Experience Everything Productions. Okay, no, I didn't watch any of that. I watched the uh, the list of ones that you sent me in the sky. All right, well, I'm going to have to talk about that. So oh. Richard Boylan is a director and a video game director from Montreal. And he used to work for Bioware. So some of his uh, c- cinematic works were on Mass Effect 3 and Dragon Age Inquisition. He did some Warhammer 40k fan films. And they eventually hired him to do the uh, the Warhammer 40k TV series, which is called Angels of Death. And that came out in 2021. He did six episodes. I need to watch that. Yeah, you could only watch it. I think you can only watch it at uh, WarhammerTV.com. I'll try and find it. Yeah, you know, according to IMDb, he did six episodes. He even has it listed on his, um, I think his Instagram. So this is where we're going to talk a little bit about video games and movies and some pretty horrifying stuff. The first time I heard about this guy, you know, really, you know, as much as I love Mass Effect, I never even knew who the guy was. I showed you the short film ones. It's about eight minutes long and it takes place in the, uh, it seems like the early 90s or I don't know, maybe might have been like 92. And it's a girl looking at this uh, box that has a bunch of cassette tapes. I used to have one of those. My brother did. It was, you know, felt felt cool having all these Metallica and Megadeth just tapes nicely organized in a case. <laughs> you know, she's there with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend's filming her. And, you know, the whole thing is, uh, the whole thing's being shown as it, it was recorded on a, uh, you know, old 90s camcorder. So you see all the tracking going across the screen and everything. They're, they're, they're going to celebrate. They're going to drink some wine because she got accepted into, I think it's Harvard, for um, quantum physics. And as they're, they're about to take a drink, they hear a knock at the door. They go there, they open it, and it's a woman with an envelope. Because they were like, were you expecting anyone? They're like, no. So they go open the door. She's like, hey, hi. And then it cuts to her already in the uh, apartment or house. And she goes, she's sitting at the table with an envelope. And she says, you gave me this to give to you. And then she leaves. The The film just cuts back to the start where she's going through her tapes. Cuts to them pouring, uh, you know, wine, celebrating, uh, you know, her being accepted to the university. They hear a knock at the door. Same thing. But, you know, there's like very little minor changes. And, you know, same thing. You, you gave me this to give to you. It cuts, starts all over again. This time the girl comes in. They hear a loud noise outside like a loud rumble and the girl's like, you know, I got to go. Same thing. She looks at the letter. She's like, okay, what the hell? She's freaking out. And the guy's like, what are you thinking? She's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So then it starts again. She's looking at her tapes. She's they're, they're pouring wine. This time there's all this loud noise outside. Car alarms are going off. It's just loud bangings. Girl comes in. Hey, gave me this to give to you. You know, it takes off. the The power goes out. She's reading the other uh, note in the, in the dark. You could still hear the rumbling outside. So it cuts back to the beginning. And this time, before the knock happens, everything just the power goes off. You hear car alarms going off. Everybody's freaking out outside. And they're like, "What's going on?" Then they hear the uh, the knocking at the door. She comes in. They got flashlights on, and she's like, "This is very important. You gave me this to give to you." This is very important. She leaves and the whole world is now shaking and she's trying to read it. She accidentally knocks down her, her wine onto the letter. Next, she's trying to read it, but she can't read it because the wine 
was spilled on it. And now it's just the, the writings on the letters is smeared. She can't tell what it is. She's crying. And then it finally just cuts, no longer restarts. So can you figure out what happened, John? Well, I'm guessing there was something in the letter that told her how to prevent something or to restart it. And now that she doesn't know what to do, it's it's over because she fucked up the letter. Yeah, because uh, she didn't she didn't have the answers anymore. So again, the the one who figured out the answers was her. But in the future, this other girl was being sent back in time, or at least the letter was. I mean, they never explain how that works. So this what what I'm guessing happened is, have you ever heard of the whole thing that? And I'm pretty sure you have of you can't fuck with the universe, especially changing things that you're not supposed to because the universe will either try to put it back together or it'll undo itself. Uh, yeah, I've heard that in a lot of different uh, cinematic and literary universes. Yeah, like, did you ever play Bioshock Infinite? No, I don't think I've played Infinite. I think I just played the first one. When Infinite, um, the main girl, Elizabeth, she has a unique power where she can open portals to random universes. She can't control where they go. She's just able to do so. Her gambling addict dad was told, hey, if you give us your daughter, we'll wipe all of your debt. He thought about it long and hard. He was like, fine, let's do it. He sells off his baby girl. (laughs) And then when he's at home, he's like, shit, dude, I shouldn't have done that. So he goes and tries to track down these people that bought the kid off of him. He finds them in an alley and there's this hole in the wall. And as he gets closer, you see like arms coming out of the wall. They get the baby and they pull the baby into this hole. And it turns out it's a doorway to somewhere. As the baby gets pulled in, the portal starts closing. And as they're holding him back, this is actually a sad moment. They're holding him back. He's trying to reach for his kid, but the door closes. But the baby's reaching out to her dad. And as the door closes, it closes on the, the baby's pinky the very tip of the pinky finger. So it kind of pretty much cuts off the pinky finger. So now Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth, fully grown up, has the power to open portals because the universe is is just constantly trying to unite her with that pinky finger. That's why she's, that's why she has that power. It's like as if the universe allows her to do that. You know, I haven't played the game in, oh my God, years, but it's a great game. I love it. Um, I'm pretty sure that's how the that that story, that part of the story was explained. And there's another game which I kept telling you to play, which is called Quantum Break. I have not played that yet. Well, Quantum Break, it plays, it has kind of like the controls of Mass Effect. It's a great game. It's a beautiful looking game, but the controls are clunky. And But, you know, you get some cool powers. That game involves some guy going to visit his homie at a university and he built some machine. Well, the whole point of the game is you're trying to stop the undoing of the universe because they created this machine and they've been changing stuff because they can they can fuck with time and that's apparently that's like a big no-no you know to, to the universe and if you fuck with the universe it'll just undo itself so the game is about you know trying to undo or trying to stop the undoing of the universe it's a pretty badass game you got to play it oh also yes. uh, when you finish a chapter you get a 20 minute live action tv series in between each chapter. So you get live action, fully acted cutscenes. Is and that the get... one where the uh, the guy that played Iceman on the X-Men movies is the main character? 
Yeah, the guy who played Bobby Drake, yeah. And Lance Reddick comes out as one of the villains. Oh, Lance shit. Red- yeah, Lance Reddick, who is the, uh, the, I guess, the, the front desk guy on John Wick and the voice of Zavala on Destiny 2. So he, he comes out on Quantum Break. And, of course, he, I mean, he does a badass job where he did a badass job every single time. And he's just as amazing on the Quantum Break cutscenes as he was in real life. If you want to see him in some non-serious stuff, he does this really ridiculous Jordy the Forge impression on the Eric Andre show. <laughs> I gotta see that. Because I did see uh, the meme video he did for Destiny 2, and that was fucking hilarious. And it was great hearing him say that stuff. But yeah, you know, Timelike, it makes me think of Quantum Break. How, well, those... uh Men and women fucking around in quantum physics are just going to undo the universe at some point. Well, I'm still waiting for the people that's starting to make a black hole on Earth that's going to destroy us. <laughs> okay, you know what? We're actually going to get to that soon. Uh, that That's going to be brought up again pretty soon. CERN. So, Time Like came out in 2015 by Richard Boyle, uh, Boylan. Yeah, Boylan. That's the one we were just talking about right now. I'm he actually also- watching it as a uh, silent film while we're talking about it. Yeah, and he also did Suicidium or Suicidium in 2014 and Infinity in 2016. Those are some pretty cool short films that he did. So you guys should check it out. Uh, Richard Boylan. He's timelike, man. The only thing I got to say, it's my favorite short film because it's pretty, pretty scary. Seeing, you know, all this stuff might be theoretical, but. This guy's pretty talented. I mean, it's, uh, you make a pretty pretty creepy movie without any actual effects in it yeah out of just theoretical stuff yeah and, you know what makes it scary even though it's just theoretical it's the smartest people in the world say what might be possible like oh you son of a bitch don't say that <laughs> we'll start talking about the next one when you're done watching time like i just finished it right now oh so what do you think overall I liked it uh that was really cool granted i watched it as a uh, short film since you were talking about the dialogue or as a, uh, a silent film, I had the volume off, so I wouldn't be too <laughs> distracted. But uh, I, I enjoyed it. It like, also kind of reminded me of a... Uh, there was another movie that I had seen where something similar was kind of happening to this group of people in this house. And they kept running... In, they'd go outside and they'd run into like their double from another universe. But they'd like come back and somebody else would be like different inside the house. Wasn't it like very amazing how this dude took something... Very simple, I guess, cameras. I mean, it, it, it's obviously filmed on a old camcorder from the 90s. Maybe even Hey, you know 80s. what? It, it probably would have been good as part of a VHS collection. Yeah. Oh, man, that scared the shit out of people, dude. What are you talking about? Hell yeah. I mean, you mean like a random, they're just putting it somewhere? <laughs> no, no, no. Like the the movies, VHS, how they oh, have just oh, a group of short films. Oh, okay, okay. You like it would to- work as part of the actual VHS storyline or VHS movies. We'll talk about VHS at the end because you. Want, I was actually thinking about opening this with VHS, but we'll just go ahead and talk about VHS at the end. All right. But yeah, it, it's amazing how this, you know, this man from Canada took a story, you know, very simple, repetitive as fuck, <laughs> like literally, and made it scary as fuck. And that that's why I say he's my favorite director in short films right now because time like. Is still it, it still freaks me out every time I watch it because I think the smartest people in the world say this shit's possible. It's like no, don't don't fucking say that, man. 
would not say it's possible, but you know, in in theory. Well, yeah. See, when they say something like that, like some crazy shit like that, it's possible. It's because that there's some really advanced, ridiculous math that can support something like that happening. But that that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. Like, there's math to prove that a wormhole could exist, but there's no fucking wormholes anywhere. Uh, fuck math. It, it made math, uh, you know, from being something I hate to something I'm afraid of now. <laughs> fuck that. Oh, man. Yeah, I was terrible at math. Now I'm just fucking afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. Math class is scary. Math, just now in general, is scarier. And the next movie we're going to talk about is Upheaval. A 2023 short horror film written and directed by Robin Zeeb. I, 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 you know, isn't it listed as a cosmic horror? Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I think the channel that it's on. Oh, no, no, wait. That was a different short film. But yeah, it's listed as cosmic <laughs> horror. There's so many upheavals. Well, this one, I gave it a five out of five. I, I, I loved it, man. It, it's all animated. The, the special effects are amazing. I mean, of course, it's all computer animated, but... There's a few reasons why I liked it. It involves space, so that's cool. And two, it reminded me of the Hive from Destiny. And, you know, the colors, how it's all dark, even when the, the bungee artists do uh, Hive artwork. All that stuff looked like Destiny. I really love the uh, narration, too. That was creepy, man. I was trying to find the uh, where that lore came from. That was a pretty creepy like poem or... Just a little short thing. Yeah. You want me to read it? Because I wrote it down. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, because, you know, again, we don't know where it's from. But, you know, first, let's talk about this. We see something coming from space, and apparently it's coming to Earth. I don't know if it's a ship or not. It, it, it has a weird form. It sends out, like, this blobby orb. And then we're see, you know, we're showing, I guess, like, you know, the, the surface of the ocean you see ships i guess that are sunken and some object underwater you know and when i finished watching this i was like okay this is cosmic horror and i'll tell you why because i don't know what the fuck's going on (laughs) and i thought it was pretty fucking cool but yet you know pretty creepy because again you know underwater some big thing you never explain what any of this is the orb i don't know i don't know if it goes underwater or not or, or if it goes inside this object. But we, we now see the orb going through some rings. And then it goes into a pool. And then it sinks into the pool. And then it starts forming something in the shape of a, of a human. This human figure comes out of the pool. It looks not human. But it's, you know, it's got the shape. The next thing we see is this human attached to some rings. With this big thing connecting it from the head to one of the rings it reminded me of the uh the doctor from hellraiser 2 dr chenard well it floats down and it puts him down with alongside a bunch of other things that are like it a bunch of other human-like things they're all black suddenly this this object comes out it floats down and it there's three blocks these three black blocks and it shines a light at each one and the blocks light up when all the blocks light up, the figures open their eyes and they show their teeth. It's just nothing but black, like pitch black teeth. And you hear like their hearts pumping, I guess. And you, you see some weird destiny like symbol. I don't know. The, the symbol lights up and it causes these 
humanoids to just dematerialize. Like they got Thanos. That's it. From right there, we just see whatever it was in space leaves. And then we just see the Earth. I'm guessing it's the Earth because, they, you know, they say it's Earth. And it just fades to black. But, you know, even then, everything's just so dark. Something came from space. It did some pretty spooky, scary shit. To me, this is cosmic horror. I, I liked it, you, you know, even though it didn't explain anything. But maybe the narration would help. So the narration says, The shivering whispers of a thousand prayers accusing their gods to relieve them from overwhelming and eternal darkness. A world in agony, facing the truth, the lack of divine being to retrieve their souls. And as their scream became silent, a bleak veil drips down to the earth and slowly turns to a peaceful silence. That's where you see the uh, the black stuff going into down towards down towards earth. As the people just turn to nothing, the, the narration comes back saying, dwelling in the fog of memories, old sunken cities in a world of chaos, minds are twisted and are raging against all forms of life. Otherworldly forces taking control. The spheres of madness are devouring their spirits. Lost in waves of eternal black, enlightened by darkness. That was it. And, you know, the voice. That was a, a really cool voice, too. It was a woman. I don't know what the fuck any of that means. It could be a badass black metal song, actually. And the animation was top tier, man. That I gave up a straight 5 out of 5, man. And that one's called Upheaval 2023 by Robin Zeeb. So, w- what did you think? Well... I think I'd probably give it a four out of five. I liked it. Uh, I like the narration. I've been trying to look up what the um, what that poetry or those lyrics are from. A lot of it just sounds like a couple of obscure references to things in the Cthulhu mythos or Lovecraft lore. But the thing I got from it was it looked like something was spreading those things across the universe or across space or something. Like it was infecting Earth because that looked like Earth that they showed uh, towards the end. Like the the only thing that would like keeps me from giving it a five out of five is just I don't like too much CGI. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it all for the CGI. Oh, it was so I'm, good, man. It was good for what it was. It didn't seem like some of that really generic crap that came out in the early two thousands. Like somebody put some serious work into it. The detail was real nice, especially on. I guess that ship or whatever it was. Yeah, that was a creepy ass looking ship too. Like all these spikes coming out of it. But I know Spheres of Madness. That's a that's a cattle decapitation song. But I know that's been mentioned in like it's either a Lovecraft story or one of the expanded mythos that like other authors have written. Actually, have you ever heard "Darkness" by Lord Byron? No. This is a uh, says George Gordon. Look, look it up. Apparently, it's a it's a poem. Um, Bungie used it once when they released, um, and like the whole theme was darkness on, um, Halo 3 map pack. Lord they did what? Lord Byron, like B-Y-R-O-N. Okay. And they, they, they used this poem when, when, uh, for the trailer for this DLC, and, you know, the voice, I don't know who narrated it for them, but man, the voice was so good. It's the one that says I had a dream, which is not all a dream whatever she was saying in that short movie reminded me of darkness you know in a way 
you know, because in darkness, he says the bright sun was extinguished and the stars did wander darkling in the eternal space. Damn. What's, uh, is Lord Byron like, uh, pretty old or? I don't know. Like a... I, I just know the first time I heard this was back in like 2007, 2008. Oh, it, fuck yeah. Uh, wait, is this the guy that wrote it or is this a different Lord Byron? Rayless and pathless, and the icy earth swung blind and blackening in the moonless air. Like, jeezy, this is this is dark. <laughs> Morn came and went and came and brought no day, and men forgot their passions in the dread. Okay, so he was born in 1788 in London, and Darkness was written in 1816. Isn't it a badass poem? Yeah. You know, I bet this is some shit that inspired Lovecraft. This is the guy who made Lovecraft. Shit. Hell yeah. This is the real cosmic horror right here, man. Fucking Dark Byron over here. Yeah, Darkness by Lord Lord Byron. Check it out. So, we're going to move on from Upheaval. And now we're going to move on to In Between. Directed by Jose Luis Martinez Diaz. Written also by him and Jonathan D. Meller. So, you know the doctor in a short film? Oh, that's the uh, guy from Record 2. He's also the guy, he's the other writer of the short film. No shit, okay. Yeah, so he, he also co-wrote In Between. So This dude's British, I thought he was Spanish. So what did you think about In Between? I, I liked it, man. I enjoyed it for the most part. I really like all that sciencey shit, especially him talking about CERN and Schrodinger's cat and particle physics and things like that. And uh, But it was a, it was a lot of tension. That built up to something I thought really wasn't all that scary. You mean uh, his wife's nightmares? Oh, well, okay. Yeah, that was awful. But um, <laughs> like the end of the movie, it uh, it, it looked kind of beautiful to me. When he walked out of that building and it was oh, just... You know what? You know what? Go ahead and explain it from the beginning. So tell me, John, what happened? Well, this uh, there was an experiment going on at CERN. And they're not really clearer on what the experiment was but apparently it seemed to merge realities or dimensions or something like that and there was a countdown for how much time was left before i guess this merger or whatever it was fully happened and the the one guy in the movie who wrote it is also the the actor in it he's a scientist that's trying to figure out a way to prevent this from happening within the time frame that he has you'll see him writing on walls, making little short videos, talking about him trying to figure it out, and then him realizing that he may have already gone through whatever was going to happen. Because he was talking about Schrodinger's cat, how he's he's there and somewhere else at the same time. And then you see the hallucinations of, was it his wife or his daughter? His wife. I thought he had said daughter. Or, oh, maybe? I, I could be wrong. Don't, I, know her, don't I, know, that. I know her name's Anna. Yeah, I'm bad with small details. But he was talking about Anna having bad dreams and then drawing pictures of it. And then he looked at the pictures and saw that they were just these horrible, indescribable, terrible things that he wished he could, you know, have kept her from seeing or had been there with her so she wasn't alone. Did you see the last picture? It was the tentacles, the Cthulhu mouth. See, I was wondering if that was just waves or something like that. But, I mean, if it's tentacles, that would make sense, too, uh, considering the the subject matter in the short film. Yeah, because he, he labeled it cosmic horror, too. 
it's I would call it cosmic horror for the most part. And um, then you're out of time. The you'll see like the last it's what I think the last eight seconds or something you hear run out, and then he just stops everything he's doing and walks out of this abandoned building that he's in. And at first, it just looks like a beautiful clear night sky. But then as he steps further out and the camera pans across the skyline, you start seeing galaxies and nebulas. And you realize it's not our night sky anymore. It's something else. Also, he didn't mention uh, two two colleagues of his died during this experiment. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, and the cat got pulled down by a tentacle. <laughs> Fucking cat. <laughs> that's why you kept mentioning Schrodinger's cat. But, uh, yeah, so that's in between. He was in between worlds. I give that like a four out of five. I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Yeah, especially uh, CERN. I was like, oh man, this is going to be fucking interesting. Oh man, I love all that CERN shit. All those particle physics experiments, man. Bring it on. Well, now we're going to move on to The Sky by Matt Sears. Okay, this seems more along the lines of... I mean, because at least with the other one, we knew what was happening. I mean, we have some context as to what's happening. Something came from space. Something happened at CERN. Okay, we have a clear idea of what's going on. Here in the sky, it's just two girls out near the woods, sitting on lawn chairs, drinking alcohol, eating shrooms. The girl's phone rings. It's her mom. And her mom's like, you know what, man? I want to apologize. I was wrong. I'm going to go meet up with you. I guess at that was a, Yeah, at the pier. And I guess that was a message. And Yeah, it was a voicemail. Yeah, and the girl who got the message, her name is Ellie. And her other friend next to her, the blonde, is Victoria. And Ellie's like, shit, dude, I got to go. And Victoria's like, well, where are you going? She's like, I, 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 my mom thinks I'm somewhere else. I got to go over there. And Victoria's like, screw that. Well, why do you want to go with your mom? Like, she kicks you out every time she gets a new boyfriend. and Or she gets, I mean, one of them gets a boyfriend. But yeah, I Ellie, think she meant Ellie getting a new boyfriend and then she got kicked out for it. Okay. Well, Ellie's just very sympathetic towards her mom, and she's like, I can't leave her alone today. I got to go see her. But Victoria convinces her, like, you know what? You and I, like, we're each other's family, and that's all we need. So she's like, all right. Sits down. They hold hands. And Victoria says, uh, she mentions something about her mom at the pier. And Ellie's like, I never said my mom was going to the pier. How did you know that? And this is where shit just hits the fan. Victoria starts freaking out. She's like, I knew your mom was going to go to the pier. She was going to go looking for you. I don't want you to go to your mom. Ellie starts forcing herself to throw up. Oh, she, I guess to try and get the shrooms out of her system? That's not going to work. Yeah. And she runs away. She runs into the forest. And yeah, she runs into Victoria just watching her run away crying. But then Victoria turns around and looks at the sky. And you see shit just going from the ground up towards the sky. Like it's ripping the earth apart. And she just starts screaming. Yeah, so, I think you already get the idea that it's supposed to be the end of the world because Victoria tells Ellie, it's too late anyway, don't even bother. Yeah, uh, you see, I thought it was just because it's going to rain, maybe? Because, I mean, it did look like rainy clouds. And see, I was under the impression they knew that that was the end of the world from the way they were talking to each other. Yeah, I, I never got that. I thought they were just out there drinking and eating shrooms. Because Ellie's like, I, I can't leave. I can't leave my mom. Not now. I, I got to go be with her. Hmm. This only makes everything different for the outcome. But hold on. But Ellie takes off running into the forest or the woods, whatever. She suddenly hears Victoria calling out to her. So she runs further. And as she's about to exit the woods, she sees her mom standing there. 
you know, she with her back to her. Her mom turns around. They stare at each other. And then there's just like this boom in the sky and there's this light. And then you see um, Ellie's mom's face just burning and like melting, like in like, you know, just little areas. And then suddenly she just explodes. And then Ellie's just standing there screaming. And then you start seeing her face, her face with some parts. Just it seems like they're melting. And then it just cuts to black. Hmm. So, OK, let's say they knew it was going to be the end of the world. I, I don't know. Would, would it be cosmic horror? Then? <laughs> What's ending the world? Uh, what was the name of that movie with Nicolas Cage where the sun was going to destroy the planet and aliens were taking kids? Knowing? The knowing? No, just knowing. Okay. See, I was getting that vibe once it showed the explosion and the fire and all that shit. Because I was thinking maybe it was a solar flare or something that was destroying the Earth. Man, now I got a bunch of questions. What if it was a solar flare? I mean, that, I think the movie falls maybe less under cosmic horror than the rest of them. More like natural disaster horror. Cosmic disaster. You know, because that makes a lot more sense. A uh, solar flare. What does solar flare cause stuff to just go upwards into the sky? It'd probably be less a solar flare and something like there's these things called coronal mass ejections, where it's just a gigantic, like a gigachad version of a solar flare. Hmm. And maybe it was boiling the earth or something along those lines. So what do you think about Matt Sears labeling it as cosmic horror? You know, because he created it. I mean, visually, it's nice. I'd, I'd say for most people, they'd probably think of it as cosmic horror. I just, uh, I wouldn't call it cosmic horror because it's not, uh, doesn't have you know, any, it, could, it Lovecraft stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got an idea of what's happening, so I don't personally think it's cosmic horror, but yeah, for most people, they probably wouldn't get it. Yeah, because remember, we, we only say this because of the rules explained to us by Reddit. And that is, if you don't know what's going on, that's cosmic horror. Mm -hmm. So we're just going by those rules. But I think John cracked a case here and figured it out. It's a solar flare. Matt Sears, it's not a cosmic horror. Fuck off. You've been voted off the island. <laughs> I give that a 2.5. One point for, for the, you know, not so bad acting. And two for... The amazing special effects. Yeah. I, I actually felt a little bit of a chill from it, though, when I first watched it. So maybe a, a 3.5 or a 4. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Now we're coming on to the last one, which I liked. And I'm going to tell you right now, I give it a 5 out of 5. The Shack? And that is The Shack. Oh, I want to talk about this. Written and directed by Dark Hoffman. And in my opinion... This is cosmic horror right here. And I think Dark Hoffman nailed it with cosmic horror. You know, I'd say, you know what? Dark Hoffman should just say, fuck it, it's Lovecraftian horror. Because that's what it really should be called. But if cosmic horror is linked to Lovecraft and it just sounds cooler, then I say Dark Hoffman defined a cosmic horror with the shack. So I loved it, but you sound like you really want to talk about it. So you want to leave this one? Okay. So it starts with a guy in a shack. It's more like a, it looks more like a deer blind to me that you go hunting in for deer out in the woods. And you're up off the ground so they can't see you. Yeah. And then his, uh, this dude's in here having some sort of mental breakdown. And then you hear his, uh, oh man, the guy in the shack is Hank. And then you hear his friend outside. I think it's Gary. He's just calling out to him and he's coming up the ladder to the, uh, the shack. 
and looks in and is like, hey, what are you doing in here? And just steps in with a beer, acting all drunk and shit. And then Hank turns around and smashes him across the head with a crowbar. And then that dude's like, oh, what the hell? And stumbles out of the shack and starts running through the clearing in the woods that the shack is sitting in. So this guy, Hank, he's kind of standing there with the crowbar like he's going to go after them and then or go after Gary and he drops it. And then he picks up a rifle. And I'm thinking this guy is going to, you know, just pop him in the head. End it right there. But no, he shoots a trank dart at him. And uh, this guy gets pretty far after being tranked and hit in the head with the crowbar. Like, it looks like he made it through most of the woods and almost got all the way to his truck. No, he was close to his truck. He was pretty close to the truck. Yeah, he could see it. But then you see him, like, leaning up against the tree, like, you know, one dart is too much. And uh, Hank is coming out behind him. And, damn, I can't remember if he hits him again or if Gary just falls over. But... I know he's on the ground and Hank grabs him by his feet and he's like, like nobody's getting out of here and just drags him into the woods. And then you cut and you see a scene where it looks like somebody is sitting there in a yellow robe and Hank's staring at them. And then you see in here tentacles and the tentacles grab Gary's body. And then they're kind of like wriggling towards Hank and he just screams. And then the scene cuts. No, no, no. They, the tentacles grab Gary by the throat and they fold him backwards. Oh, dude, I don't remember that part. Yeah, it folds him backwards to where his back meets the back of his legs. Oh, that's lovely. And the front part where it would be the bendy part. <laughs> the bendy part. You see all this blood shoot out where his the skin in the front just rips because it got pulled apart. His waist or his stomach or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a pretty badass fatality, dude. That was pretty good. The effects weren't bad. And then uh, the scene cuts after Hank starts screaming. And it shows Hank with his quote-unquote son, Caleb. And this is kind of where I, wait, I just want to talk about wait, some stuff. Wait, do we know it's his son at this point? Uh, I, I don't think he mentions it for about 10 or 15 seconds till they get into the shack. Because Caleb's just calling Hank, Hank. And yeah. Hank's just calling Caleb, Caleb. And then they get into the shack and Hank is like, Jesus Christ, can't you call me dad? Ah, okay, okay. But I just wanted to talk about Hank for a second, because uh, up up to this point, I'm actually annoyed with, I guess, the actor that plays Hank. Because to me, this this guy is able to over and underact at the same time. Like, I, I hate the faces he's making. I hate his tone. I just, I don't believe anything this guy's doing. Caleb seems kind of cool, though. But I, I didn't mind the acting considering the situation. I mean, I think I'd be pretty pissed off too. But I don't know. His, his acting didn't bother me. Maybe I'm just weird like that or over technical or I have some undiagnosed autism that bugs me. But that, oh man, I did not like Hank. Just just the way he was acting. It, it Not the story, but just his acting. And then, uh, was it Hank and Caleb were talking about this... Uh, this area that they're in, it's part of their family. It's been in their family for generations. And Caleb says something like, oh, it's been here for a hundred years or some shit like that. And they're going out into the woods with their guns up, like they're going to go hunting for something. And then they run into the person in the yellow robe. And I can't remember if they say something first or if the tentacles come out first, but I know they grab Caleb and drag him off. And Hank was all pissed off about it. And, then he's talking to the person in the yellow robe, and it's this lady 
who said she's been there for like 300 years, I think. Yeah, uh, over over 300 years. Over 300 years. And she's got this voiceover sort of like she's possessed by something. Yeah, when she speaks, you also hear this deep growl or something. Yeah, like a deep beastly tone voice. (laughs) A beastly tone. I like that one. But um, she's telling him that they had a deal and he's trying to hunt her down or eradicate her. And he's just, you're not going to be able to do that. And uh, she, uh, man, what did he say? He said he uh, he wanted his son back or something. Yeah, because the tentacles take away Caleb. They just drag him off. He goes back to the shack and just finds his headphones and his shotgun. That's right. Yeah, and a little crater in the ground. That's when she starts talking to him. Yeah, she's like, you think you could best this man? We're thy mother or thy great mother. So after that happens, she brings back Caleb and he says he's willing to take his place or do whatever's necessary. Yeah, because she had a knife kind of threatening, like, oh, I'm going to kill your son. And then Caleb walks up and he's like, oh, what did he say? They f- they fed us? No, no. Because well, he's like in a zombie-like state. Yeah, Cause, he's, he's cause clearly it, under control. Yeah, because Hank tells her, like, you need him. So she lets him go. Caleb walks up and Hank's like, what did you do? And then Caleb responds and says, they fed me. Okay. I, at first, I thought he said they freed me, but then he said they fed. Okay. And then she's maybe, saying, maybe, how dare you question maybe, us, ungrateful child? Maybe it was freed. <laughs> Shit, I might have misheard that. Well, I could have sworn that they fed me, but eh. freed sounds a lot more uh, like it makes more sense. I could have misheard it, too. But um, was it that's when the great mother says that Caleb's going to rule and you're... Your role is over. Your usefulness is ended. Oh, yeah. Servitude. And then, your servitude yeah, has come to an end. And then Caleb walks up to him and just stabs him in the gut with the knife that the great mother had. And then she was walking away with Caleb while Hank's dying on the ground. And then you see Caleb and the great mother. They both scream out in pain. And you, the camera pans around and you see Hank stabbing Caleb in the back. And then, oh, what does he say? Oh, and then all these tentacles shoot out of the mother's mouth. Also, they accepted Caleb over him because she said that Caleb's pure blood. Yeah, and then his eyes start to go black while they're on the ground together, and then, bam, the movie's over. Well, when he stabs Caleb, he says, uh, our bloodline ends here. And the great mother, I guess, dies. But then, yeah, he's holding Caleb as they're dying, and he says, we're free. Then you see Caleb's eyes turning black, and that's how it ends. See, that's why I don't think they're free. But, um, I'm assuming that's what they're supposed to allude to. But remember, before he gets stabbed, we also see Cthulhu. We see like before a, he gets stabbed. Yeah, we see like a big old up close face shot of Cthulhu with you see his eyes all perfectly, the tentacles. It looks kind of dreamy, and then we come out of that scene, and then that's where we see Hank on the ground or on his knees. So yeah, like uh, man, I can't believe you missed it. But yeah, there's 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 this little cut. Where you just see Cthulhu like right in the screen, his face hold is just up, hold right on, on I, him. I, I pulled up the movie and I'm at that scene right now. I'm trying to see if I if I catch it this time because I'm surprised I missed that. But then you had to point out to me what's her name's face in uh, Midsummer because I definitely didn't see that coming. No, it's not. It's not that hidden. Like it's it's here's Cthulhu <laughs> like right here. Oh, okay. I see what you're talking about. Yeah, that that's a little bit further back. That's oh, okay. before she brings Caleb out. Okay. 
Oh, that's where he's crying with the headphones. That, that's where he's making those really good acting faces about being angry. Oh my god, <laughs> dude. he looks like such a fucking a little kid or something pretending to fucking be angry. <laughs> I hate Hank's acting in this movie. Hey, but wasn't didn't Cthulhu look pretty cool? Uh, it looked all right. I mean, it was just kind of shrouded in darkness, and you see like the head and the tentacles for the most part. I don't know. I thought it was pretty clear. I liked it. But I, I know which part you're talking about, and I can see that. But I don't think it's Cthulhu. I think this person, because they call her the Great Mother, and she's in the forest. And oh, okay. So you, you okay? You say you know who he is? Yeah, I can, don't can, think can, it's Cthulhu. Okay, say, say it without saying his actual name. <laughs> the Black Goat of the Woods. Okay. I don't want to got- say the full Lovecraftian name because it can be a little rough. Also, in case anyone who's hearing this and doesn't know, Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft was very racist. He named his cat Hard R. So, <laughs> yeah, Hard like R. like his his cat was literally named Hard R Man. Yeah, yep. th- th- that's what he named his own cat. Y'all know what we mean. And he he actually has a poem called Hard R Man, and you yeah. can look you can look this poem up. Yeah, so, he kind of snuck the hard R into the name of this one elder god, which I, I don't want to say now. What, what's what, what's the first part of his name? Shub, S H U B, and it's technically her name. Oh, and, yeah. This is the one that they like that he specifically canonically made female. It's also called the All Mother, and the nickname is also the Black Goat of the Woods, which makes me think that's who this character is supposed to be. Because they're in the woods and they have those black tentacles, and they're also that character is also referred to as the mother, and it's also female. And I'm thinking that may have also been the entity in upheaval, because the other thing that this elder god does is spawn thousands of little black children that they have, like try to take everything else over. Oh, dude, that makes a lot of sense now for upheaval. All right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think about that until because I saw upheaval second. I saw jaunt and upheaval, and then I saw the shack last. And then after I was thinking about it, I was like, "Hey, that might be the entity in upheaval, also, just a more a bigger cosmic version of it, since it's taking over an entire planet." Man, I I never knew of this guy. H.P. Lovecraft was really racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shub. Hard R. Uh, I mean, that that's the best way I can. <laughs> you looked say it up. It. Yeah, he, okay. he actually he actually looks or she. That's a she. That's a she. She looks pretty fucking cool. Yep. The it's all mother, the black goat of the woods, the the thousand. What is it with a thousand young? Man, I don't see no goats. I just see tentacles. Some illustrations give them kind of like, or give her kind of like a goat's face almost. With all those tentacles and everything behind it. And uh, if anybody is familiar with the Quake series, this is also the final boss in the first Quake game. It's software, you're racist. Oh, <laughs> well, they ripped off everything from HP Lovecraft for that first game. Like all the monster names, almost every level, the final boss. Oh, man. Overall, it was still a pretty good uh, short film. Yeah, I liked it. Now, you know, again, this is just me, but. I get. I give it a five out of five, man. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'll hit the four just for Hank's acting. 
It really bothered you, huh? It really bothered me, dude. Like, I don't know how you can look at his face and be like, that's some top tier acting right there. Well, I mean, these are short films. I mean, none of these guys are professional actors. I don't look for top tier acting. I'm I'm not looking for top tier acting either, but I'm just looking for something that's passable and I couldn't I'm I'm not gonna give it to Hank. Like like with the sky, I said I like the acting there because I was like, wow, it actually was pretty good for a short film. Yeah, I I didn't have a problem with that at all. I thought the uh the girls did a really good job and the the crying and sadness, the anger, none of that seems, you know, too fake to me. When I watch short horror films I I don't expect good acting. But with the special effects that, you know, these, with the special effects that these had, I was blown away. I was like, wow, these are short, short films. I mean, you know, just short independent films. These some talented people. Yeah. And these work as short films. Like if these were blown up into motion pictures that had like maybe an hour and a half of filler, then these would suck. I'm looking it up on Reddit. People just say, I just call them shubby. Shubby. Okay. Yeah, because there's some people saying like, "Is it is it intended to be racist?" But it's like, come on, it's Lovecraft. If if oh. you knew more about Lovecraft, you you'd be like, "Oh, that that ain't a surprise." You wouldn't question it. And these are people in the uh, Lovecraft uh, subreddit. Hmm, that's interesting. There's no ind- uh, there's no ind- indication that the name has any racial connotations, nor does Shubby have any special connection with black people. I never would have assumed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is crazy. But then again, it's Lovecraft, so, you know, I'm not surprised. So, Cosmic Horror. Out of all of them, I, I, I like the shack the most. Number two, I would have to give it to uh, Upheaval. Upheaval was really good. Uh, I, but I, I think I'm just, I'm being really biased because it reminds me a lot of Destiny artwork and the Hive. So Yeah, see, I haven't played any Destiny, so I don't have that comparison. Yeah, I, I leaned a lot towards it mainly because of that. It's like, wow, this reminds me of the hive and, you know, showing the underwater thing. It's like, that's the whole thing with the hive. That's where the whisper came from. It came from underwater. Like, holy shit, this is the hive. But no, it's not. But it, it's cool. You know, like the design of, I guess, the ship. It looked pretty hive-ish too. So I see it as a really fucked up Destiny uh, fan film, even though it's not. But that's the way I see it. Yeah, I think I'd still put, I'd also put the shack up there at the top because... It's the most Lovecraftian of all the the short horror films that I saw. Oh, oh also Gary brought Cthulhu beer. Don't Did tell me have... you missed that. Damn it, I dude! That's it. the first thing I saw. Yes, they're drinking Cthulhu beer. It even like the, even the label says like HP Lovecraft's like Cthulhu beer. All right, hold on, hold on. Coming up to it right now. Yeah, they even do a close up like right when he opens the door for him, like right after that scene. The first thing they show are the beer cans. Oh, he had a crossbow too. Oh shit! There it is. It's it's clearly a sticker. H.P. Lovecraft Cthulhu Classic Horror. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a Heineken logo. Yeah, and it was just like right there in your face. I can't believe you missed that, man. I was literally distracted by the blue light on the radio. Oh man, yeah. shiny things. What are you gonna do? Well, I, I recommend all of these totally. Even this guy. He was beautiful special effects. Oh yeah, they were all very good. You know what? I want to do more of this stuff too. You know, um, maybe every other week, an episode, we just watch a bunch of short horror films and do them in one episode. Shit, that sounds like fun. Yeah, there, there's also one I want you to watch. It's called uh, Don't Look at the Moon. Oh, you've told me about that one. I need to check it out. That one uh, is pretty fucked up. Not fucked up like, oh, bad stuff. I mean, yeah, bad stuff happens, but 
I put myself in that situation and I was just like, oh, fuck, what the fuck would I do? You can't look at the moon and people will have go crazy. So I don't know if I would put that as cosmic horror, but. Was this it? Was it the dude with glowing eyes? Um, you know what? Sure. Oh, yeah. We'll, yeah. Okay. You know what? We'll, we'll wrap this up first, then you can watch it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe next week or the week after. I mean, who knows? It might be a weekly thing we do this because. I've been watching short horror films for a long time. I love them. It gets straight to the point. Doesn't waste your time. Um, actually, Smile started off as a short horror film. Uh, we talked about that on that episode. And th- there's a lot of good stuff out there. Th- there's times where, oh, they, they made a they made a full-length movie off of this idea. You know, that's cool. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In Smile's case, it worked. But again, the guy who directed Smile just... Thought it'd be a good idea to fill it up with as many jump scares as he could, and I hated it just for that. But short, short, you know, just short horror films—they're great. I love them. So yeah, John, John likes the idea. We're gonna do more of this stuff. If you haven't seen it, uh, Lights Out also started out as a short film, and I think the short film's better than the full movie. Oh wait, you wanna know what? We still got some time because we need to talk about VHS. The first one? Just all of them, man. Oh, just in general, okay. You know, because you know, again, VHS is just a a collection of short horror films with with you know with with a story that somehow combines them. Like on one of them is like some people breaking into a house and they find a bunch of tapes and they start looking at them and these are the short horror films that you see is what they're watching. I don't I don't know which one it was. What ninety four is that? What it was called VHS ninety four. Then what happened? Where it was like the dimension where it or just the world. Where it looks like normal Earth, but it's really all demons. No, that was, I think that was VHS viral. That one was cool, man. That that was a pretty cool uh, short one right there. You're talking about the Mexican one, right? Yeah, it's like when the dude goes outside and you see a blimp spreading unholy propaganda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, was a like, good one. I really like that one. It was like a blimp with uh, inverted crosses. Yeah, that that was that was a pretty good short and. I know you said you didn't like it, but I really love the vampire one, where a bunch of rednecks, oh, no. a bunch of rednecks oh. got a vampire like locked up. Oh, I didn't have a problem with that one. I also, I don't know who it was then. Somebody did not like that one, and I loved it. I I think that, like out of that one, that was my favorite one. The one that I didn't like out of all the VHS stuff that I've seen is the uh, the children that are left home alone, and then they start getting chased by aliens that yeah, are landing uh, around yeah. their house. It, it's it's scary as fuck, and I don't like it either. And I know why you don't like it, and I don't like it for the same reason. Okay, fair enough. You know what? We're just going to give a warning. Have you never seen VHS? And I forgot which one it was. Was it on the first one or the second one? That's the second one. There, there's Okay, you know what? Of course, it's just a movie with uh, with animal protection laws. Yeah, it's not real. It still bothers me, but you see something pretty bad happen to a dog, and... Yeah, uh, it it bothered me. And I was just like, oh, fuck this one. The actual short itself was pretty cool up until that part, which is the very end. It's called Some Slumber Party Alien Abduction, and it's on VHS 2. It's actually yeah. the last uh, shorts film that's on there before the end of the actual VHS storyline. Yeah, so if you're not into stuff like that, I mean, I guess you could avoid the last one. Uh, the the last story, I guess, when you see kids running from aliens, yeah, oh shit! Not telling you to be a pussy like us and look away, but 
I mean, I saw the whole thing. So just, just a warning, because I know shit like that bothers people, and you know, a lot of people don't want to see stuff like that, and that's okay. John and I don't like that one just for that reason, even yeah. though it was, even though it was a pretty cool story up until that part. But yeah, VHS two, the last one. To me, the one short that really stood out on VHS to me was, uh, fuck, I'm guessing it was part two, where they're in, I don't know, Thailand, maybe? Oh, uh, that's Safe Haven. I know exactly which one you're talking about. It's uh, Indonesia. Okay. That one, oh my, dude, Indonesia, dude, they don't fuck around. That one was fucking great because it's everything that happened at the end or near the end. How shit just went crazy, and everything looked fine. It looked like a what was it like a compound? You know who co-directed that one? Who? Gareth Evans. Really, the raid? Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Well, that explains a lot. Yep. But I, I like how it goes from like a compound of just a bunch of people living there to spoiler warning, trigger warning too. I guess. <laughs> You know, there's people out there who still need trigger warnings. Yeah. If you're the religious type. Yeah. It goes from woman pregnant, demon crawling out of her, giant demon crawling out of her, dude trying to find a way out, and he sees a bunch of people committing suicide, the world is ending, people fucking covered in blood. <laughs> All the people that committed suicide came back as zombies. Yeah, yeah, they all came back as zombies. It was it was a that ending, man, it was really fucked up. And then one really weird quick cut of the guy trying to escape the compound after the demons are showing up where he looks into one room and there's just these two people banging on a bed. Yeah, and they're covered in blood. And they're covered in blood. And then he runs past that. Yeah, but it, that's uh, that's also probably my favorite on there. Yeah, that to me, when it comes to disturbing hell on earth that's like the best right there that was the best shit right there to me i was like holy shit this is hell on earth like no one's ever done before and then the little dude that was running the compound i'm pretty sure he was on the raid too is that him yeah yeah he was on the raid too you, you know what made the whole thing really disturbing to me though what's up that siren right dude i i don't know how where it started for you but like when I when Silent Hill first came out and I stayed up all night playing it the day it came out, like that that made the siren like the sound of a siren going off scary for me. Dude, the sound of a siren being scary as fuck to me started in the eighties when my brother told me, Oh yeah, that means there's nuclear bombs coming to kill us. <laughs> I mean, oh, he, is he from he, that generation? He didn't say that directly, but he's like, Oh yeah, there's ever a nuclear attack, you're gonna hear sirens. Like, oh shit, dude. Now it's like I shit. hope I never hear sirens. Or if you live in, like, the north or southeast tornadoes. Dude, that's got to be scary, too. Mm-hmm. You, you hear sirens, you don't think nukes. You think, oh, fuck, this is... The finger of God's going to come and fucking kill our house. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, sirens are scary. But in, in that one, on the on uh, the raid, on VHS 2, while there's hell on earth breaking out, people committing suicide, zombies, demons crawling around... And you hear a siren? Yeah, that's that dude. The siren was the cherry on top of creepiness. And tornadoes? Demonic tornadoes. There you go. Demon. 
I don't know if it was supposed to be him specifically, but the demon looked a lot like how Baphomet's usually pictured. Uh, you, okay, here's the thing. I liked that whole short film. It was cool. It was, uh, again, scary. The end of the world, sirens. But then I was like, okay, this is fucking silly. When the demon crawls over the car and he's all like, Papa. <laughs> or like, Hey, that was his dad. <laughs> that was, was like, his okay. dad, man. I was like, okay, this went from fucking scary to silly. Like, what the fuck just happened? Hey, you see what happens when you cheat? That's what happens when you cheat. Yeah. You get a demonic son. Mm-hmm. No, you have to raise him. <laughs> or Papa. Well, then. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking stupid. It went from crazy horror, demonic hell and earth horror, to fucking something you'd see out of an anime i don't know <laughs> da, da. and then and luckily the movie ends right there so you don't have to see whatever but other than that i, I give that one dude again my, my favorite out of all the vhs stuff that was it right there but you know the vhs ones they're worth watching it's just a bunch of short horror films put together and this is not short horror films but it's a horror anthology and that's southbound which you should watch yeah that's on my uh to-do list yeah, they they got multiple directors doing each story. But the the very cool thing about Southbound is when one story ends, it kind of slides into the next one because they take place in like the same area. You know what I mean? But not everything's, yeah. you know, they're not all connected. Oh, I don't know if you had a chance to check it out when you had Shudder, but did you see the Mortuary Collection? No. Okay, that's got, it's got Clancy Brown in it. And he's like a funeral director and an undertaker. And some girl breaks into his funeral home. And he's, it's basically him and her telling stories back and forth, like short horror stories. And then, you know, they play out for whatever, you know, they're, they're talking about. And then the, at the end, it turns out that the girl, when she broke in there, she cursed herself to be the next funeral director, I guess, because Clancy Brown starts laughing and walks out of there and says something like, it belongs to you now, and then he just turns into dust and blows away like he got Thanos. <laughs> he starts walking out, and he's like, happy Halloween, ladies. <laughs> it was like that scene on uh, Chronicles of Riddick when that dude walks out into the, the solar storm or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, the, the Furian who kept quiet about being a Furian or whatever. The Furian coward. Are, are people but, who like hu huge fans of Vin Diesel, are they called fa Fast and the Furians? <laughs> <laughs> if not, that's a huge waste. Oh, dude, that's that's a name, right? That's a fan club, dude. The, you know, the, the official Vin Diesel Fast and the Furians fan, cl fan club. Fast and the Furians. There you go right there, dude. It, it, it combines Fast and the Furious and Riddick. In in one universe, the Fast and the Furious. Isn't it the thing that that they're gonna go to space next? They've already been in space. Well, they, technically, dude. Then they're gonna go beyond, and they're gonna meet the Necromongers and Fast and the Furious right there. Holy shit! And then they're gonna bring the Necromongers to Earth, and they're gonna have to defeat them somehow. Race them in a really long airstrip that never ends. We do the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs. <laughs> but wait, what were you talking about <laughs> before we got here? <laughs> VHS. Talking, what what part of VHS? 
Well, we were kind of going off on VHS too, because I guess that's the one we both. Oh no, no, the, the what would you say, the Mortuary Assistant or some shit? Oh, the Mortuary Collection. Oh, okay, okay, that I need to see it. You should have told me Clancy Brown was in it, because I love Clancy Brown, man. He's fucking cool. Hell yeah. He's the only reason I watched Carnival, which was a pretty fucked up story, but it was a good show. I haven't seen that. Check it out, dude. But yeah, Clancy Brown's in it. And dude, if I would have known about, you know, him being in the the mortu- mortuary assistant or what what the fuck's he called again? Collection. The mortuary assistant's the game. Oh, okay. The mortuary collection. Okay. You know, I'm gonna have to look this up. I'm pretty sure I can find it off of Shutter because Eventually, whatever is on Shutter eventually goes to Netflix because nobody really stays subscribed for a long time to Shutter. It's a seasonal subscription. Yeah, I mean Shutter gets some cool stuff, and then a lot of times you're like, I can find most of the shit on like Prime or Netflix. I don't know. We'll see. Some yeah. of the short stories are a little silly. Some are pretty good. I'll check it out. <laughs> Damn it! There you go. Okay, Mortuary Collection. I was gonna call it Assistant again. All right. Okay. Well, you know what? That's that's it for this one. And you know what? Yeah, we're gonna do more short horror stuff. Um, fit it in with our bargain bin Walmart horror movies. <laughs> when are we gonna do another mainstream horror? I mean, it just it just feels like we just can't do that because if we can agree on a mainstream horror movie that we both well, not like, horror, but just in general, or just any mainstream movie. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like uh, you know, it's like Mike said, it's it's low hanging fruit, but most of the stuff we've seen too. I mean, it, it actually feels nice watching stuff we've never seen before. Let's see. What's come out recently? I've already seen Super Mario Brothers. I saw Evil Dead Rise. I'm definitely going to get that whenever it comes to streaming. Um, still need to see John Wick 4. And I don't think there's really anything else I've been looking forward to seeing. Oh, no, we'll see. Uh, I think right now it's not just that we're having fun watching a lot of these movies we've never seen before. We didn't want, I, I think that is it. That, that the fact that we're actually having fun watching these movies we've never seen before. Because we're actually running into shit that we would have thought is garbage just looking at the cover. But now it's like, you know what? It wasn't bad. Like Call Girl of Cthulhu. It just sounded funny. And we watched it and I liked it. But we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about that next time. Coming soon. It was supposed to be the next thing we're going to talk about. I guess this one went a little long. And no, 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 no. Like it was supposed to be the next thing we were going to talk about after uh, the last episode, the one before Drive. But then we're like, yeah, we're going to do Call Girl Cthulhu next and then Drive comes out. That's okay. It'll give me another chance to watch it again because it's so good. Yeah. You know what? Well, we're going to do that next anyway. But we're, you know what? That, that's going to be it for right now because we're going on a little too fucking long. But yeah, peace out. Have a good night, everybody.